Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. another episode of the reality is as always it's newer and i'm officially back okay i'm officially back i've caught up on everything i had a wonderful uh break for a little bit that i very much needed um first of all i want to go ahead and say eid mubarak to anybody who is listening who has been celebrating it is officially the second day of eid um and i hope that your ramadan went well um i've talked a little bit about my struggles with ramadan um But you know what? Taking a break from some things that I love, like this podcast, was important during that month because truly I had no energy. Um, But in the last week, I have been watching all the shows. I did get caught up on everything. Um, I have not watched this week's Vanderpump Rules because I do think that Vanderpump Rules needs a full recap. And that's not what this episode is. This episode, I'm going to talk about all the things that I've been watching on Bravo um, that I'm finally caught up on and Netflix. Okay. So I'm going to talk about Real Housewives of New Jersey, uh, Real Housewives of, uh, Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. So I guess also Peacock, Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, um, Summer House, and then I'll touch on <laughs> Love is Blind. Okay. Let's just get into it. It's going to be a quick episode. I just have thoughts about all the things that I watched, right? So let's jump into Real Housewives of New Jersey. I don't remember which episode I did last, but listen, 
there's a lot of wedding stuff going on. There's the Louis stuff going on. There's like these side fights. And ultimately, I think that one thing that I've heard across the board that is exhausting a lot of Real Houses of New Jersey fans is the Teresa versus Melissa because people want a definitive winner or loser in this fight. Now, I've said before, I don't fuck with the Gorgas. I think that they're thirsty. I think that they're opportunists. I think that they are terrible, terrible people. Okay, I think that they're riding the Teresa train into whatever fame they have acquired so far. Melissa has been very beloved by a lot of Bravo fans in like a very Kyle Richards-y kind of way, uh, which I don't understand. But I think Melissa and Joe Gorga have made a name for themselves um, kind of outside of being Teresa and, um, you know, Joe Judice's family members, um, whether it's their hideous houses, whether it's um, Joe Gorga's bad motivational speaking, whether it's his corny memes, uh, whether it's his obsession with um, getting his dick sucked uh, or sucking dick, right? I I get it. They've made a, a place for themselves. But this season in particular is frustrating because we're going back, right, to the same fight that we've been having for decades, but also because it, beca- it it's very, very evident. It's very, very evident that on a season where it is going to be primarily about Teresa, that they are just not handling it well, right? Like Teresa, this is Teresa's season. She's getting married. She's going to have the big, you know, party. She's having potentially a spinoff. I don't know how the the wedding stuff is going to be shown, but it's going to be her season. You know, it's her wedding. It's her bachelorette party. It's her bridal shower. Like it's her season. That's what happens on reality TV shows. It's obvious that because it's that, Melissa and Joe Gorga are losing their minds because they're not front and center anymore. They're not holding the center Jersey tomato or pizza pie or hips, or in this case, a pizza oven, right? It's obvious that they're spinning out. And look, I'm not saying that they don't have reason for why they might not like Teresa or why they might not like Louie. I think that they probably have a million reasons for why. There's a video that just leaked of Louie crying and saying that Rue Lala is his business. Like he's, and that he's lost billions of dollars. Like he's obviously a scammer. There's a, I think Louie is a very, he's a walking red flag. He is such a red flag that his face is red all the time, right? I think that there is a legitimate concern with Louie. I think that there is a legitimate pettiness that comes with Teresa. I think Teresa can be extremely mean. I think Teresa and Joe are siblings who are terribly mean to each other. I think that happens, right? Between siblings. I'm not saying anybody is without fault, but like from the Teresa side, but it's very obvious that Melissa and Joe are spinning out of control because they are upset about not being front and center in the middle of, you know, Teresa's wedding stuff. Um, Melissa saying that she's not a bridesmaid and, you know, all this bullshit. It's just frustrating because everybody's wrong and there isn't one particular winner or loser. I think the biggest loser, frankly, are the people that are complaining all the time, which is Melissa and Joe. If you're going to complain nonstop about this stupid ass storyline from seasons upon seasons, then you're the loser. Like, 
all we've seen Joe do is complain every single scene he's had about Louis or about Teresa. That's all he's done. And he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to resolve it. At least with Teresa, she's like, okay, whatever. Like, we're going to move on. I don't want to talk about them anymore. She still does. But she always does it in a way of like, I just need to move on. I need to like, just let it go. Joe doesn't do that. Joe Gorga does not do that. And that's what's frustrating about this thing. And then now they're in Ireland and Melissa's making, what did, <laughs> what did Teresa say? A mountain out of a molehole, okay? About Teresa saying that, you know, she thought Antonia and Melania were close, but Antonia didn't come to Melania's birthday. And Melissa goes into an absolute, like, tailspin over it. But if you go back again to the christening episode, which I think, guys, is really important television to watch. I've said it many times. Melissa is complaining about the fact that Gia didn't come to little Joey's christening at the actual church. She didn't come to the church event because Gia had some sort of an extracurricular activity. And so she says in the confessional, I don't know what happens in their house, but in my house, family is important. And you attend every single thing that a family member has. This is what I mean by they're all the same people. Melissa is complaining 10 years ago about something that now Teresa passively sort of mentioned, passive aggressively, but passively sort of mentioned on an episode now. You're all the same people. There is the biggest loser, like I said, is the person who's complaining, which is Melissa. She goes back to the hotel or the house, the castle, the haunted house, whatever that is, and she complains to Joe about all this stuff. And that's like, you're losing, okay? More important, more fun fight is the Marge versus Jennifer. Now, again, I will defend Jennifer Aiden's problematic ass with my whole body because fuck Margaret Joseph. I don't like Margaret. She does all the same shady things that she accuses every single person of. And now that Jennifer is playing Margaret's game, she doesn't like it. Now, where Jennifer did lose me is telling Danielle what Laura told her. You can't say, I, it's so bad I can't repeat it and then repeat it to <laughs> Jennifer. You can't do that. Like, Jennifer has a case of the Candace Dillard Bassets, which is that you have a great point, but you are so close, but so far. Like, you, you got so close to winning and then you didn't. But I think it's funny to watch Margaret and Jennifer fight this season because Margaret is absolutely losing her mind. She is losing her mind and it is hilarious for me to watch. It's so funny for Jennifer to call, what was it, a booger wolf? So funny. It's so silly for Jennifer to clearly stage that, <laughs> that psychic reading. It's shady and it's funny and it's silly and it's petty. And it's like Jennifer pulls out, you know, her best, like what the Crappens guys call community theater acting. It's just so funny to me. Like that is hilarious. But for Margaret to be like, really mean about it in the confessional is ridiculous but then she's like how pathetic of her but then you go and get a print screen shirt of the exact same thing like you can't complain that somebody is being produced and pathetic but then also you are being produced and pathetic you know what I mean another interesting fight on this season is Danielle versus Rachel now again this is where Margaret is wrong but it's she's somehow created Rachel as like sort of her little she's made Rachel her little soldier you know Danielle and Rachel are talking like girlfriends do and Danielle is saying hey my friends have told me that I should be careful about Margaret and Rachel goes and repeats that to Mar to Margaret and 
she erases the, I mean, she's, look, Rachel's not wrong because she's not, she never says, she never actually in that conversation says, hey, I also agree with that, right? She does say, yeah, well, Danielle doesn't really trust you because of all the arse. She says that you have like an arsenal of stuff, right? Where Margaret loses me is she's like, you can't repeat that stuff. And then she says, it's okay if Rachel repeated it to her friend. When girlfriends talk, you just share what you've heard about people. It's not a big deal. But Margaret, again, is like losing her mind over it. And I think that's hilarious because she's wrong. She's so wrong. And she's so loud and wrong in her wrongness. And I just watching Margaret lose it and like, continue to be wrong is really funny. I mean, she's obviously in a tailspin because I think that this woman, Laura, is probably right. Like, apparently, like, all these podcasters and all these influencers that were friends with Margaret for years are now coming out and talking about how, yeah, she's been really shady and she's been doing shady things and all this stuff. And it just, it cracks me up because I think that she's sort of, like, losing a little bit of her arsenal, you know, um, which I think is great. Uh, it's funny to me. Um but there's no winners and losers here, guys. The only loser is you if you expect a winner or loser here. Just watch it. I was a little nervous about watching Jersey because it felt too toxic. But like if you watch it sort of passively and remind yourself that like these are women where there's not going to be one sound conclusion about what is right or wrong, everybody's wrong, you're going to be fine. That's really all it is, right? Um... What else about Jersey? I think that's it. Those are my only thoughts about Jersey. Let's talk about Summer House. Okay. Now, Summer House, obviously, the big thing is Danielle versus Lindsay slash Carl. I want to talk about Danielle versus Lindsay because I understand that being friends with somebody like Lindsay is probably really frustrating. Danielle always has been sort of Lindsay's sidekick. She's always defended Lindsay through and through. And I think that Danielle's never needed Lindsay to defend her um and she's talking a lot about like defending her or being there for her and the kind of friend she is but I think ultimately what it is is that Danielle doesn't get to film fun party scenes with Lindsay as much and she is you know expecting Lindsay to leave her boyfriend Carl and hang out with her and Lindsay's not doing it, which means that Danielle doesn't get to have scenes with her friend anymore. And if she doesn't have scenes with her friend, then she kind of feels like, well, Lindsay, like you are taking away camera time for me. So now I'm going to go and spend time with the other girls. Where Danielle loses me is that she's going and spending time with girls who are who are known to hate Lindsay. Like you are, I think... Let me back up my thoughts. I think the crux of the issue is that similarly to how Kyle can't handle a sober Carl, Danielle can't handle a Lindsay who is in a committed, happy relationship. I think that they are all just so used to their friends behaving a certain way that they are unable to imagine what their role will be in a relationship with a friend when that person changes a little bit. I think Kyle doesn't know how to be around a sober Carl because Kyle and Carl have partied together for so many years. And I think that he's expected Carl to be that hot mess friend for so many years. And I think he's struggling with that change. He's struggling with Carl no longer being his drunk party friend. He's struggling with Carl no longer being his right-hand man. He's struggling with it. And similarly, I think that Lindsay with Lindsay and Danielle Danielle is struggling with Lindsay 
not being her hot mess, always angry in a relationship friend. And I also understand that from Danielle's perspective, she's probably seen Lindsay rush into things, right? And she's seen Lindsay fuck things up and she's seen, she's been the person who's had to like pick up the pieces for Lindsay. And I'm sure that she has, she does have valid reasons for like concern about the fact that they're moving too fast. Carl hasn't been sober for a full year, which my understanding with under talking to sober people is that you're typically not supposed to like get into a relationship unless you've been sober for a year. I mean, this is, I only know this from like watching TV shows. So I understand there's like legitimate reason for Danielle to be upset or not upset, to be worried about Lindsay and worried about Lindsay rushing things too fast because she likely is a person who usually has to pick up the pieces for Lindsay. But I also think that Danielle isn't used to Lindsay just being a happy, committed person. She's not used to it. And I'm, and Danielle probably has concerns of like, if this goes wrong, if you and Carl get together and then you break up, where does that land me? Because I am friends with both of you. And that's going to put me in a really sticky situation. And while I understand that concern, Danielle, that's not for you to manage. That's not for Lindsay to manage for you. What If and when that bridge needs to be crossed, you as an adult need to figure out where you are going to land on that and how you will cross that bridge. But that's not for Lindsay to figure out for you. I think that Danielle also has this um, other side of her issue, which is that she obviously is, a, is not in the same type of relationship as Lindsay. I think that she is struggling in her relationship with Robert. Lindsay's not asking and I this is where I go to Lindsay's probably a difficult person to be friends with because she is selfish we know she is not selfish she's self-involved right she doesn't ask questions we see her saying I'm sorry I didn't ask I will try to ask you more I will try to ask you more but I also think Danielle is just approaching it so poorly Lindsay's absolutely right if you have an issue and if you think I'm moving too fast, you should be telling me instead of going around and talking to every single other person about it, especially people who don't even like her, you know, talking. And then on top of that, you have like the sort of Paige and Sierra component, which is that they're like these busybodies. Paige especially is a busybody who is so happy to point out other people's flaws or mistakes in this like really bitchy way for her to sit there at the housewarming and talk about how expensive the apartment is that's fucked up that's really fucked up and honestly it screams like envy and jealousy it's just weird it's it's a lot it's like a very immature way of going about seeing two people together and i think that they all have legitimate concerns like i said which is if you go too fast and you guys break up and this thing explodes it puts our entire friend group into a really awkward place I fully understand that, but the way to go about it is to not be like, you're spending $13,000 on an apartment and you're, you know, shopping for rings. Let them do that. You know, Danielle, if Lindsay is changing the way that she is behaving, you should be supportive of it, okay? And you shouldn't be sitting around and you shouldn't be like criticizing it in a really kind of mean way. Um, this episode, this last episode, you know, Lindsay gets to go out and party with everybody and have fun, which is something that Danielle at a girls night is like, you never do anymore, Lindsay. Well, why don't you go and have fun with your friend Lindsay, who's going out and drinking right now with Corey and Sierra and whoever. Instead, you're staying back and eating pizza with Carl and being a homebody when 
you had the opportunity to go and be friendly with Lindsay. I don't understand. I don't understand what the issue is. And again, I think that Lindsay is a difficult person to talk to. But I think that Lindsay and Carl are both right to say, if you have an issue with us, just go ahead and say it. And the issue is that nobody is saying that we're worried that if this falls apart, we are all going to no longer be friends or we are going to have to pick a side. Nobody is saying that. And I think that if they were to just say that, they could all have an adult conversation about it. But they're not going to because that's Summer House. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Um... Let's move on to Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. I think I only covered like one or two full episodes of this um, earlier, but the season finale showed... Look, this wasn't my favorite season because I think the issue with it is that a lot of the fights that are shown on this are too fresh. Like we're just carrying over fights from previous, from the season that we just watched, you know? It's one thing if like these fights aired and everybody got over it and then we went on a girl's trip and then we talked about it. But like these are fresh fights that we're already exhausted from watching happening again on TV. The only part of this that I actually <laughs> weirdly really enjoyed is the Leah versus Portia. And the reason why is because Leah and Portia have both been off of our TVs for long enough for them to be fighting to feel fresh. Leah is an asshole. She's not a girl. She's not a team player. She's whiny. She's bitchy. I think Whitney says it best. Maybe this is just who Leah is. Her vibe is just to sort of complain that's fine. She's very much Ramona-like in that way. She's a, you know, a curmudgeonly white lady. That's just her vibe. And Portia's vibe is exactly this. She's a fun girl until you point out one of her flaws. Then she's a mean girl. And that's Portia's issue. Portia wants to talk about sisterhood and this and that, whatever. But Portia's also the first person to say, I don't fuck with you because I don't like you. I just don't like you. I just don't like you and I'm not going to give you a reason for it. Well, what happened to the sisterhood? There's no sisterhood then. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why that was the only like interesting part of the show is Portia and Leah and how they interacted with each other because I think that those are fresh interactions, you know, or even Leah and how she's reacting, interacting with like Giselle. Those are fresh interactions. The interactions between like Giselle and Candace or Heather and Whitney um, or even Marisol and... Alexia with each other those are boring to me because I just watched that like I just watched an entire season of it I don't need to watch that again um now Giselle was an idiot this whole class Azul thing so corny so lame so low budget okay I wanted to be at something that wasn't low budget okay and this was low budget okay it was corny it was cheesy it was low budget but hilarious that, spoiler alert, at the end, Heather and Whitney were the ones who hid the stupid bottle. And here you were, Giselle, blaming a black woman. I know you're also a black woman. Blaming a black woman of stealing something on a trip. That's pathetic. 
And that is so problematic. And it's it's like, this is, I think, Candace's issue is like, you don't understand how the way you behave is going to impact me as a black woman on television. Like, you don't understand the implication. And I think that sometimes, like, Candace is too... She's too, um, not too, but she's for rightfully, right? Because that's her experience as a black woman. I think that Candace is very much tuned into how a lot of the stuff that's showing on television is going to play out in the rest of the world because she's not just on a show with other black women. She is a black woman on reality TV. And we all know that the world receives that differently than, you know, the than fucking Heather Gay getting punched in the eye and partying too hard. It's just a different experience and it's received differently. The viewership is different. It's just different. And I think that that's where Giselle, when she chooses to, turns that off. Like when Monique, who she hates, you know, did the shit that she did, she was very quick to do the respectability politics and black women and how we're going to be received and all this stuff. But when it comes to how Giselle points her finger at other women that she doesn't like, then all that stuff goes out the window. And that's where Giselle loses me every single time. But I think that's why, like, Candace is sometimes too – she's too uh, cerebral about it, I think. I think she's too smart about it in certain ways. But the issue is that then she drops down to a lower level to fight those fights. Um and then she loses everybody. But I mean, Candace is not wrong most of the time. Candace is always just fighting wrong. She's got a case of the Kenyas. Um, Heather came off like the biggest, most problematic white lady. She tried to get a, a sober person drunk. She called Thailand a third world country. She called Thailand an armpit. She talked about uh, capitalism is her favorite. She talked about exploiting third world countries. I mean, she is so, she really showed her ass to be the biggest dork. Like, the biggest loser, the biggest dork, fuck Heather Gay. Um, Marisol and Alexia almost had it. They almost had it. I was like, you know what? They're not totally unpleasant to watch. Like, this isn't bad. Like, this is a good season for them. Until the very last episode, the last two episodes, Alexia is slut-shaming Whitney, and then Marisol is like drug shaming Whitney and questioning her parenting. And I was like, there you are. There you are. Those that, those are the ladies I remember. I just love Alexia being like, I'm so liberal. I'm so liberal. I'm, I'm the most liberal. Like, no, you are not. You are not liberal at all. You are extremely judgy. You're judgy of, um, what's her face? Larsa's OnlyFans. You're just a very judgmental. You're, just because you vote Democrat doesn't mean that you're not judgy. We've seen you at a pride event calling trans people uh, like men. I think she was like, oh, that's a that's a man, that's a man to a trans person or a drag queen. It's very, you're not liberal. That's actually extremely um, ass backwards and ignorant. And we've seen the way that clip that was going around of her telling uh, Julia, 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 is that her name? Is that her name on Miami? It is Julia, right? Jules? I don't remember. Uh, Martina's, Martino, you want to talk about anti-trans. Martina Navratilova came out this, this last month on her major anti-trans agenda. I mean, we should have known when she did her interview with fucking uh, that Pierce Morgan dude. Anyway, it is Julia, right? <laughs> I can't remember, guys. 
But she screamed at her saying that she's not, she's, that, that Alexia is more LGBT than an actual lesbian. <laughs> like, anyway, Alexia sucks. But her saying all the things, both of them saying the things they said to, uh, to Whitney and then Whitney in the confessional saying, I don't think you really have a like the Santa when your son was in the news for kicking a homeless man and filming it. So I agree. Um, but it was interesting. The last episode I think was like the best episode to the last two episodes of Ultimate Girls Trip were the best episodes. Um, I think the rest of it was just exhausting a little bit. Um, because I don't want to watch them fight about things that they've already been fighting about. You know what I mean? That's that. Um, I think I did it, right? Jersey, Ultimate Girlship Summer House. Let's quickly talk about this Love is Blind. Finish Love is Blind. If you missed it, Netflix screwed the pooch. They tried to do the live reunion. The reunion was such a fail. I don't want to hear people's like Maury Povich, Jerry Springer reactions to things that are happening on stage. It's just like, it's, it gives, again, low budget. Like, I don't want to see that. I don't like it. I don't need a live audience, you know? Um, the men on this show, besides, let me just preface to say, besides Brett and Tiffany, are weird, man. Zach is a weirdo. He came in guns blazing for good reason against Irina, and I understand that. But then for him to, like, be jumping at Micah and being like, you're here for blood, you're here for blood. Micah just watched Paul say that I don't think that Micah would make a good mother like a day before this was filmed. Why is she not allowed to have a reaction to that, number one? But why are you coming to the defense of Paul? Why being like, oh, I've heard Micah talk. I've heard from women on this stage. Women, that means more than one, on the stage that Micah never intended to marry Paul. Um, No, you heard one woman say it and it's Irina. And since when did Irina become like the beacon of truth to anything so i just feel like zach is a weirdo i think that he's a weirdo i think that he's like creepy but i think that both him and bliss are fine for each other i guess he's he kept saying love is blind at the end he was like i fell in love with bliss before i met her i'm like no that that's not true because you pursued a relationship with her after you met her in real life so no love is not blind for you um I think Marshall is a weirdo. I know everybody is like, defend Marshall. He's great. He's great. Did you guys see all these anti-black women t- tweets that came out of Marshall this last week? Like, Marshall sucks. Like, Jackie is a problem. I think Jackie should not have been. I mean, I don't know. Should she have been on the show? She could. But I think Jackie also was. Ta- she didn't get her chance with Josh because Marshall went and tr- told Josh to shut it down. And like the way that Jackie is crying on the couch, I think that she feels like I feel I feel like that one time of Marshall shutting down the conversation or like the relationship between Jackie and Josh when they were all in the pods was probably like the stuff that Jackie's used to. She wants a man who's going to like fight for her. You know what I mean? But then Marshall was never going to be that man who fought for her woman. Instead, he wants to be the guy who's like gentle and kind and sweet but the issue is that Marshall is a kind of man who is playing the good guy card because he wants pats on the back not necessarily because he actually is a good guy and I think that that's like so problematic and I just think Marshall's a weirdo I think Marshall's a weirdo I think Paul is a weirdo um but I think the biggest weirdo is Vanessa Lachey I think that that was so embarrassing Asking people about when they're going to have kids is so, is so problematic, especially because 
Lauren and Cameron from season one have talked about how frustrating it is for people to constantly ask them about when they're having babies. They've done an interview, I think, with Tamron Hall and said how problematic it is that people keep asking because it's so invasive and it's so rude. And here is Vanessa Lachey bringing Bartise of all people with his like six month love child that he just accepted like recently asking about when you're going to have babies. Get a fucking grip. It's not the show is called Love is Wine. You're only concerned about when you're making if you're making it to the altar. We're not talking about is love pregnant? Is love fertile? No, the show is Love is Blind. You fucking weirdos. <sighs> anyway, I think that's everything. Um, I am going to watch Vanderpump Rules tonight. And I'm going to do copious amounts of notes on it. And then I think I will release an episode for you guys tomorrow morning. A full Vanderpump Rules recap, including this Howie Mandel nonsense and does Ariana have a new boyfriend? I mean, there is so much supplemental reading and watching required with Vanderpump Rules that I really need an entire 45 minutes to talk to you guys about it. But I hope you enjoyed this little catch up. I'm happy to be back. I hope everybody had a wonderful Ramadan and a happy Eid and a great weekend. And, um, you know, I hope you're taking your allergy meds. This pollen is kicking my ass. Um, and I'm excited to be back and, uh, I appreciate you being here and listening and living and loving and laughing with me. (laughs) Um, but I'm happy to be back. I think I said that 18 times. Um, I will be back later on this week with my regular programming. Succession is back in full swing, all that good stuff. Uh, so many things are happening in the news. I mean, there's so much to discuss guys, but I'll be back. Um, and I appreciate you for being here for listening and I'll talk to you next time.